0: So before we get started, I want to tell you a little joke, uh, because I don't have any funny church signs with me today. I know. Yeah. So, uh, but we did have, I did want to tell you, Man, I had a dream the other night. And uh, so in my dream, uh, I, was at, I was in heaven and I was walking around in heaven and uh, I was seeing people that I knew, you know, people on the worship team. And I, so I saw Kyle and I said, and he's had this hideous looking girl on his arm. And I was like, man, in the world. So I leaned over to Peter and I was like, man, why is Kyle walking around with this terrible looking female? And he said, well, you know, in er, Kyle's early years, he made a lot of good decisions, but towards the end, man, those decisions started to taper off. So his punishments, he's got to walk around with this terrible looking girl for the rest of eternity. And they said, oh man, that's terrible. And so, uh, and then I saw Jonathan and Jonathan's walking around. He's got a terrible. Just, man, you know, this girl is nasty looking. And so I said, man, what in the world is, so I leaned over to Peter and I said, Peter, what is going on with Jonathan? He said, well, he made some good decisions early on in his life, but toward his later years, it started to taper off a little bit. So he's got to walk around with her for all eternity. And I said, man, that's crazy. And I saw Chris and Chris had this beautiful girl on his arm, gorgeous girl on his arm. I was like, what in the world? How does this work out? So I went over to, went over to John. And I said, John, what is going on with this? Jonathan and Kyle got these, you know, not so beautiful looking chicks. And, you know, and Chris is walking around with this beautiful girl. And he said, yeah, she made some pretty good decisions early on in her life. But towards the end, she said, I'm just kidding. I know Chris is here somewhere. Where's he at? My heart goes out to you, brother. So anyways, we'll get up. Oh man, we'll get started. I know, I know. If you can't live in here, then why come? You know what I'm saying? So uh, we have a good time. If it's your first time here, now you know what to expect. You know what I'm saying? So, but we're going to get into the fourth part of today's series. It's called Changed, and we are super excited that you're here. I got to give honor to our pastor who is out of town. Uh, I appreciate him so very much. And my wife, who puts up with me all the time, she's beautiful and she's awesome and she is uh, amazing. So yes, you can put your hands together for my wife because she's awesome. <clears throat> She's turning a different shade of red in her face right now, just the thought of people looking at her. So she's in the back, but she's, uh, she does an amazing job. So anyways, we're going to talk to you today about a life fulfilled. A life fulfilled. And I hope you got your handouts when you walked in. When we're talking about a life fulfilled, one of the the main things that we want to look at today and and coming out of the four-part series that we've been in, we're gonna start off in Exodus today. So if you have your notes, take those out. If you have your Bibles, take those out. If you have your iPads, take those out. If you have iPods or iPhones, you can take those out. If you use those little silly Android devices, I think those things can use Bible apps. I don't know what goes on with those. Just kidding, I offended all the Android users in the house. But anyway, so uh, yeah, feel free to take all it out. We're gonna get into Exodus 6, 6, and 7. I wanna give you a little bit of. Um, uh An intro to this, as Pastor's been talking about, is that so we're looking at the Israelites, and the Israelites have been in captivity for years and years and years and generations, and so what's happening is now Jesus is saying to them, I'm going to come to you, and I'm going to make four promises, and the four promises that he's making today are not just promises for the Israelites. This is not just promises of the Old Testament, but this is in fact promises for each and every one of us today. It's available to you Today, All four of these promises that we want you to experience. And so when you're living the changed life, when you're going to walk out a life that's changed, you're going to walk out a life within the context of these four promises. And so we're going to look at them today. Exodus 6, 6 and 7 says, Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and it's the four I wills. I will bring you out from under the the Egyptians. And so we looked at in week one. But so when he says, I want to bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians, what that means for us today is that I want to bring you out from underneath your bondage. I want to bring you out of your sin. And how many guys know that, man, when you're in a lifestyle that's just constantly sinful nature, no one has to preach to you to know that you just don't have everything right in your life. That you got to, man, I need some things. I need to change. There's some things in my life I need adjusted. And that's the reason why a lot of you came. You know, no one beat you over the head with the Bible and drug you in here by your shirt collar. You were just like, man, I think I need something. And I think this is it. And so, and so, what happens is he wants to bring us out of the weight of our sin, the bondage of our sin. Then he goes on to say that I will free you from being slaves. And a lot of people will say, well, he just freed us. Why does he need to free us again? Well, the whole idea is this, that when he brought them out from under the yoke of the Egyptians, he also had to free them from the slavery mentality. How many guys know just because you got saved and just because you met Jesus doesn't mean that all the, the problems or addictions in your life just went away? Right, And it's one thing to get you out of slavery, but it's another thing to get slavery out of you. Yes, you feel me? And so the whole thing that he wants to do is he said, All right, I'm going to save you because grace and salvation is instantaneous. We receive Jesus and we become a new creation instantaneously. But how many guys know walking out that journey is not so Instant. You know what I'm saying? So some days we wake up like the Apostle Paul, we find ourselves doing things we don't want to do and we don't find ourselves doing the things that we do want to do. Why? It's because we're walking on a journey that it's not always instantaneous. And then he goes on to say that I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. When he says I will redeem you, that's what pastor talked about last week that God's redemptive plan for you has not changed. That whenever he created you in the womb of your mother, he had a destiny and a plan for you. And just because of things that's happened in your past, just because of things you were born into that you couldn't control just because of a sinful nature, just because you did things the way way you shouldn't have done them does not mean that that plan that God had for you has changed at all. We should get more amens in the house than that. That God, Listen, God didn't create you and then, okay, what's this one gonna do? No, God said, I, I, I need someone that's going to fulfill this purpose in 2015 in Pensacola, Florida. And he created you to fulfill that purpose. And mean, for some of you, that should bring something alive inside of you. Like, man, I'm not an accident. <laughs> like, I'm here for a reason. God destines you with purpose. And, and so um, he wants to redeem you. And not only that, but his original purpose for you has not changed because of your sin. I'm gonna say it again. His original purpose for you hasn't changed because of your sin. Your terrible decisions and my terrible decisions have not affected God's ultimate plan for my life and your life because redemption works, all right? So he wants to redeem us. And then lastly, I wanna take you as my own people. And the beauty is, is that the first three promises is just between us and God, an individual person and God. So he's gonna save me, he's gonna deliver me, he's gonna redeem me. But then the last part, what we're gonna look at today, it says, I wanna take you as my own people. That means he's gonna take us as his own people. And so there's an individual promise, but then there's a corporate promise, a family promise, a team promise, a a group promise, where he says, I wanna take all of you as my own people he says, and I will be your God. Then it goes on to say that then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. And so if you have your notes, we're gonna go through the first four parts real quick where it says, and we look at, and this is kind of the belief system of our church. We preach this on two different occasions throughout the year. Number one is the four cups, and this is changed. You're gonna notice a lot of similarities if you listen to them simultaneously. And the first cup or the first promise is the cup of sanctification or the cup of salvation is that's to be set apart. And what we want as a church is we want every single person to walk out these four stages of their life. And if you walk out these four stages, and if you live these four stages, then you will be walking out a life of fulfillment. I know it sounds crazy, but it really is that easy. That simple. It's not always easy. How many guys know the... This walk ain't always easy. You know what I'm saying? But it's simple to understand. And so the first one is weekend services. The cup of salvation and the cup of sanctification is we want every person to experience weekend services. And I think, like, man, I grew up in church uh, where you didn't really invite people to church because you didn't really know what was going to pop off on a Sunday morning. You know what I'm saying? Like, you didn't know if you was going to get hit in the face with a flag. You, didn't, you just didn't know what was going to happen. So you trying to, like, walk through the sanctuary Y'all know what I'm talking about. So, so like you, you just didn't do that. But what we desire as a church is to create an environment where you could bring anybody and you know like nothing. You're not, you know, I'm we're not going to scare them other than if they don't like loud music. You know what I'm saying? Like we're not going to scare them. And so you can come in and you can come in and not know anything about Jesus and still feel like there's something here that that, that God wants to offer you and feel comfortable and, and safe and at home. And I feel like you feel that way if, if you don't tell me who didn't. And I'll, I'm just kidding. I won't do that. So. And then the second part is we want you to experience the cup of deliverance or the promise of deliverance. And we believe that the best way for that to happen is within the context and within the framework of small groups. So for us, small groups is a huge, huge part of what we do as a church because we believe this. How many of you guys right now would stand up in front of all these people and just tell them all of your problems? Right? Me neither. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) I'm not doing it. Why? Because number one, I, I don't know all of you, and number two, even if I did, I, I still wouldn't tell you. But anyways, the whole thing is this: that how many of you know? If you get a bunch of a front of strangers, we all walk in the doors with masks on that hide our problems, and even to an extent, hide the real us. Right? We don't want to tell anyone, you know, we're addicted to pornography or we have a problem with gossip or uh, an addiction to substance or whatever. Like, we don't want to tell everyone that. But how many of you guys know if we get around a group of about six or eight people that we know really love us, really care about us, we'll take that mask off and say, look, man, this is the real me. I don't really want to be this anymore if you guys would help me not be this. How many of y'all's life would change if you just had that kind of group of people? right? Well, we have small groups here in the church. (laughs) You can join one and get around people that are going to help you change and become a brand new person and take that mask off and really get to know people because relationships are the key to the gospel. The third part is growth track. So the cup of redemption is that we want you to experience the growth track right here at TC, right here at Transformation Church. And what is the growth track? The growth track is this. Tonight we have 401. This is the fourth part of our growth track series. And here's what we believe. Because, like we said, we believe God created you with a plan and a purpose. We believe everything that he wants to do with your life, everything that you're going to need to accomplish that is already inside you. I'm going to say it again. Everything you need to accomplish what God has for you is already inside you. You just need to identify what those are so you can start to use them. Well, guess what? The best way to do that is what we believe is a growth track. It's a system that we work with a number of other churches on. And with the growth track, we're going to identify what God put inside of you as far as gifts, as far as a personality. How many of you believe that, uh, how many of you have ever been to a church before and they had an usher at the door greeting you that you knew was not supposed to be at the door? <laughs> right? Like, they, they're they looking at you like you just killed their cat. You know what I'm saying? Like, welcome to our church. It's like, you need to be on a computer somewhere and not at this door is what you need to do. Well, guess what? We want to do the same thing for you. We want to take whatever God gifted you with and help you identify how you can use it in the best way and not just throw you to the wolves and hope it works out for you. We want to help you. Growth track is how you do that. Number four, and that's what we're going to talk about today, is the cup of praise, the cup of fulfillment, the promise of fulfillment, and that's the dream team because we believe that the best way to live a life fulfilled is to live it with other people that are living a life fulfilled, right? How many of you guys know people's attitudes are contagious, right? That's why if you call me complaining, I hang up on you. No, I'm just kidding. But, like, people's attitudes are contagious. But it's the truth. If you hang around a bunch of negative people, guess what's going to happen? You just get negative. Hang around a bunch of happy people, and you don't even know why you're smiling. You're just like, hey, hey, you know, like... You're getting gas and someone's asking you for a dollar, and you're like, man, here's a dollar. You know, like you just have that's because you're around happy people. And that's the same way it is with the dream team. Living a life fulfilled is always better when you're living a life with other people who are living a life fulfilled. You know what I'm saying? And so that's inspiring, it's encouraging, and we want to do that. And that's what we're gonna talk about today. So uh write it down, and here we go. So the scripture text for today is John 10:10. 10, 10. I want you to, I encourage you to highlight it on your notes, circle it, underline it, cut it out, put it on your kid's forehead, whatever you need to do to remember it. But this is the good stuff right here. Okay. It says the thief's purpose is to steal, kill and destroy. And let me break that down for you. The, 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 the thief's purpose, the enemy's purpose is to come in and he wants to steal your joy. He wants to steal your legacy. He wants to steal your passion. He wants to make you ineffective. He wants to kill your dream. He wants to kill the vision that God has put in your life. And he wants to destroy everything that God wants you to be so that you won't be effective in the kingdom. So when it says he comes to steal, kill, and destroy, he doesn't just want to kill you today. He wants to kill everything that you would ever create impact on in your entire life. He wants to destroy that today. And so, but he says, is that my purpose, God's purpose, the reason that Christ died on the cross was not just for salvation, but that you could live a life in Christ is to give us life to its fullness. Amen. And with some translations, say that He wants to give us life and He wants to give us life more abundantly. That doesn't mean you get a mansion next month. Trust me. <laughs> 20-something years in this thing, and I don't have one. But it, means, it doesn't mean everything's going to go perfect. What he's saying is, I want you to live a life of abundance. I want you to live a life that is fulfilled in Christ. And that's the promise that he gives to us. So first, we want to go over three reasons why people don't live a fulfilled life. How many guys have tried walking this journey out, and you're like, man, I, I mean, I've been saved for a little while, and this ain't... I'm not doing that. right? You don't have to raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Some of y'all are like... Phew. This guy, you know. Don't raise your hand. Everyone's going to look at you funny. But three reasons why we don't live the fulfilled life, right? The first one is that we let our past cripple us. We let our past cripple us. There's so many people, and I sit down with so many people in counseling's and over lunches, and they say, I just can't get past what I used to be. And I look at them and I keep reminding them, guess what? Jesus already has. The only people that's holding it against you is you and those people that you let keep hanging around you. Some of y'all need to change. Anyway, that's a whole different. I'm not going there. We have to understand that our identity. Everyone say my identity. Your identity, identity is found in whose you are and not who you are. Your identity, how you are seen, is not found in who you are or what you do or how good at it you are. Your identity is strictly found in who you belong to. I'll go a step farther and help you understand it like this. When you look in the mirror, you see you. When God sees you, he sees the reflection of his son. And I said something a couple of sermons ago, and someone was like, dude, that changed my life. And I just want to say it again. That how many guys know, how do you determine value of something? By what someone's willing to pay for it, right? Now you can say it's worth this all day long, but if anyone's paying that, it's not worth that. You feel me? So when you're determining your own personal value, what your life is worth, it's strictly determined by what someone's willing to pay for it. And if you are living a new life in Christ, the payment's already paid, and it was the highest possible price. So stop looking in the mirror and degrading the very value that that you think you're worth because God has already established a value and it was the same value of the life of his son that died for you and me. I'll let that sink in because some of y'all are looking at me like I got three heads. So man, know that your value is higher, but your identity. It's found in whose you are and not who you are. And this mindset, understanding this, removes insecurity. How many guys, insecurity is like a plaguing epidemic on our society and generations right now. You know, that's why we have like selfie, mm, you know, like when people are like, should I wear this to school or nah? Like, put on some clothes and go to school. Anyways. Psalms 38, four and six says, my guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. It goes on to say that I am bowed down and brought low. And how many guys know, man, that when, we, when our past comes to haunt us or when we let the enemy bring up our past, or I would tell you this, when we let friends bring up our past or people around us bring up who we used to be, how many guys know it just, kind of, like, it just kind of pushes you down? And before you know it, man, you're just like hunkered down in like a bunker, like, dear God, what am I gonna do? And I believe that every one of us should have like a, a, a champion, what, what's it called? A, um, uh, I wrote it down. Oh, a play like a champion sign. How many of you guys have ever seen Notre Dame take the football field and in their locker room? They like on the play like a champion sign above their door, right? I believe every one of us should have one of those in life. Where like when we're getting ready to go to work, we're getting ready to go to school, we're getting ready to like feed our kids, you know, play like a champion. You know what I'm saying? No, I'm just kidding. We're like, <laughs> We're getting ready to like go out into society like we have something that we tap because and I tell you for me man it's Psalms 18:35 where it says that you give me your shield of victory and your right hand sustains me you stoop down to make me great and can I tell you something when situations of life and those things of life come against you and they start to push you down and sometimes it's not even your past sometimes it's just life how many guys know that just because you got saved and just because you are on a track of salvation towards heaven it doesn't mean things always get better. And people that speak that are foolish and they're liars because things don't always get better when you get saved. Things just get, things will get better when you get saved. But I can tell you right now, man, the journey that our family's on right now, there are days I don't wanna get out of bed. There are days I don't wanna talk to anybody. There are days that I don't wanna do anything because the pressure and the, the, the weight of our circumstances in our life right now with our son presses us down. And I have to remember Psalms eighteen thirty five that I can be at the lowest of the low, but the Bible says that he's gonna stoop down. He's gonna come down to where I am. He's gonna elevate me and make me great. And I man, I think some of y'all need to like write that and lipstick on your mirror. Unless there's only dudes in the house. That's weird. But you know what I'm saying? Like use a Sharpie or something. But you know what I'm saying? Like you need to, you need to put that somewhere where you can look at it And days that you don't feel like it. Days, because I, I know it's terrible. As an associate pastor, I'm telling you that every day is not peachy king for me. But guess what, guys? It's not. And I would tell you that Pastor Dan would tell you the same thing. There are days that are just tough. But those are the days when he gets to stoop down and make us great. But you can't let your past hold you in captivity. Number two, we let culture define us. We let culture define us. And what do I mean by culture define us? What I mean by that is that we have to stop, we have to stop trying to please God through the efforts of pleasing man. Your success in life does not impress God. God's like, yeah, but I own all of that, so it's not a big deal. <laughs> God, I have a million dollars. It's like, yeah, I own a cattle on a thousand hills. I don't know what cattle's worth nowadays, but I'm pretty sure it's a lot. You know what I'm saying? Like, like So uh, what we do to impress and, and be successful in the world, our resume doesn't impress God. Amen. You know what I'm saying? And we have to recognize how important that is That that we have to, and it's about not desiring to be known. I was talking to one of our young men that I'm discipling and he's actually been under me for a long time. And he was telling me, he's like, yeah, I don't ever care to like be known or like I'm cool working in the background. Like I don't ever have to be seen. <laughs> I don't ever intend to talk on a microphone or any of those things. And I was like, guess what, bro? That means that you are. And he was like, crap, you know? <laughs> but I was like, I was like Your desire to not be known is the very reason why God's gonna allow you to be known because it would never be in your power. It would never be in your possibility. It would never be in your might that you could make yourself be brought up and be great. But it's because of your humility and your desire not to be known that God's gonna be glorified through you being known. And some of you are just like the back counter person at work. Like, I'm not talking to nobody. I'm just big chilling on my computer right now. Like that's how, that's how some of you live your life and you don't have any desire to be great. Guess what? The reason why you're going to be great is so that God can be glorified as great in you. So embrace it and stop running. Okay, embrace, embrace what God wants to do in your life. Galatians 1 says, I am now trying to win the approval of man or of God. Or am I trying to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. In other words, we don't, we don't passively try to go after pleasing man. We passionately go after trying to please God and allow God to be glorified from within our life. And so the whole thing is that, and the third part is this, then we try to do it all alone. So the third reason why we don't live the fulfilled life, the first one is we let our past cripple us. The second one is we let culture define us. And the third one is we try to do it all alone. And I wouldn't even dare to say that we're talking about the difference between people saved and not saved at this point. You can be saved and never live a life fulfilled. Because churches forever have preached that, well, just meet Jesus and then hang on for dear life until the rapture or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, how many of y'all grew up in those churches where it's like, you know, even some of the hymns we used to sing back in the day, like, dear Lord, how depressing. It's like, I'm just gonna hang on until Jesus comes. It's like, man, I don't wanna hang on. You know, like, that's not a life I want to live. Man, I want to be a world changer. Well, there's three of us said, so I want to be a world changer. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want to be a society shifter. I want to redefine culture. I want success to be determined on how much God does in my life, not how much I do in my own. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want all of this. I want to embrace what God's really trying to do. I want to live a life completely fulfilled. So we try to do it all alone. And the thing is is sometimes we think like the enemy's plan is to try to ruin our marriage so that we won't be married. And like, that's the great destruction he's trying to do. Or he's trying to ruin our friendship so that we won't have that relationship and it will deplete us a little bit. No, the enemy, whenever he comes in and tries to tear apart relationships and marriages, what he's trying to do is make you never trust anyone ever again. And if you don't believe me, talk to anyone who's been divorced. And God, I'm not speaking, that's, understand what I'm saying. I'm talking about what it does to you mentally and emotionally. Where anyone that tries to build a relationship with you, either friendship or anything, you're just like, you have a hesitancy to even let them in. And that's the very work of the enemy trying to d- divide you from what God ordained, and that's relationships. That the gospel works best in the context of relationships. Life change happens in the context of relationships, all right? And so the whole thing is we try to do it by ourselves, but no, his plans to stop us from trusting anyone. Living guarded and not trusting people, relationships, and and I would tell you this is why a lot of you, this is why a lot of you haven't even joined a small group yet. You're like, uh look, I had a bad, uh, you know, I had a bad thing at church. I had a bad experience at a church, and I don't really want to like get involved with a lot of people at a church. Guess what? We all have. Suck it up. I mean, I'm just like. I know I'm the associate pastor, so I can get fired for that. But I'm just just kidding. like, listen, we've all had bad experiences. Things happen. People aren't perfect. But guess what? That bank, they didn't give you your overdraft feedback, but you still bank there. You know, like things are going to happen. Things you can and can't control, but you don't let that affect the very life that you're trying to live. So if you got hurt you never forgive. You'll never forget, but get past it. And let's let God do something new in your life with the people he's surrounding you with right now. So let's just like blow past the old stuff. Right? So anyway, so we don't want to do it all alone. Ecclesiastes 4.8 says there was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. And so what they're saying is it doesn't matter what you have. It doesn't matter what you own. If you don't have relationships, you don't have anything. You can have it all. Listen, I know a lot of millionaires By the grace of God, I've been able to meet a lot of cool people, whether it's from the music industry, whether it's from the movie industry, whether it's whatever. I've been able to sit. And guess what? All of them are just as depressed as poor people can be. You want to know why? Money doesn't make you happy. I know we say that all the time. And it's (laughs) all of us that are living paycheck to paycheck. like, That's right. It doesn't make you happy but it really doesn't. Okay, so like, man, no relationships are what can change your life, so important. So the fulfilled life, we wanna give you these, the fulfilled life. And I wanna tell you this, when it comes down to living a life completely fulfilled, this is a promise of God. Everyone say promise. Promise. This is a promise of God. And the Bible says that his word does not return void and that he'll hold back no good things from his children. And so since this is a promise from God and God doesn't lie or go back on his word, that means that the only way this doesn't happen is if you choose not to let it. So just grab a hold of this. All right. So he has everything planned for you. So let's look at Exodus 6 and 7 again, looking at what God's promise is for us. Number one, I will take you as my own people. When he says people, he's talking about a family, a group, a team. In other words, he's not just gonna take you and create a fulfilled life with you by yourself in some shack on the corner of the road where no one talks to you. No, no, no. He's gonna give you a fulfilled life within the context of a group, a context of a people, a team, a family. He wants you to join a team, a group, a family and build a life together and then he says, and I will be your God. And what he's saying is, I'm going to be the God to that group, that team, that family. So if you think you're going to soul ranger this thing and, and you know, wild, wild west gunslinging and all by yourself out here in the Christian faith, it's not going to happen. Amen. And if you think it is, try it. it work. That's like you know, the banana from the bunch gets peeled type of thing, you know what I'm saying? We can have a a bunch of bananas, like, sitting on our table at our house, and if they're all, like, in a bunch, guess how many gets eaten? Like, zero, you know what I'm saying? Like, we have brown bananas in no time, you know? Take one off and put it right next to the door. That joker's like, oh, look, a banana. Like, we didn't see the other 16 sitting over there, you know what I'm saying? Like, but like, by, it's the same thing, man. You're not going to live a life fulfilled if you're flying solo, man. The enemy's always going to pick you up, peel you and do whatever he wants. He's just going to own you. You got to have a team, people around you. So the fulfilled life comes when you're part of a family or a small group or team. You're making a difference because God is on your side. I will be your God, Exodus says. So if you choose to live a life outside of complete fulfillment, it's by choice. We've established that. Number one on your notes. Because here's what you want to understand. When when we're talking about the fulfilled life, here's what we want you to understand. Number one, it begins with a calling. It begins with a calling. Understanding that you are called. Guess what? You are called. I'm not the only one that's called. Pastor's not the only one. Just because we preach on Sundays up here to you guys doesn't mean we're the only ones called. I'd even go a step farther to say this. What you do Monday through Friday is more important than what we do on Sunday morning. Because we're going to reach you. We're going to feed you. And by the grace of God, we're going to continue to uplift and, and help you in this journey that you're on right now. But there are people outside these walls that are never coming in here. Outside of a genuine relationship and a story of life change that's going to come from you. When you leave this place, you are called. So you have to recognize that it begins with a calling. Your call. Second Timothy first nine says God saved us and then called us to this holy work. We had nothing to do with it. It was all His idea, a gift prepared for us in Jesus, long before we knew anything about it. And even in Ephesians two, it says that God had a plan for us before we were ever formed in the womb of our mother. That when He redeems us, He redeems us back to the plan that He had before us, for us before we were ever born. And so we have to recognize that it begins with a calling. And so what has to happen is we have to come to the recollection, we have to come to this idea that I want to make a difference. Because guess what, it's like cool to be called, but if you you don't ever do anything with it, you know, if you just sit on a couch and play Xbox all day, guess what that calling does? you have to come to the conclusion that, man, I want to make a difference. How many guys want to make a difference in someone else's life, right? Like how many guys recognize that this whole thing that Jesus did for you, it's not like, oh yeah, this is not a weekend experience. You know what I'm saying? Like this is a lifelong, life-changing, like complete shift. And how many guys, when you met Jesus, you didn't really know what you were in for, but as the journey prolongs, you're like, this is the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life, right? Okay. Well, it's just me. All right. So anyway, so But like, man, I I remember when I came to Jesus, it was just like, it was one of those, like, this seems like a good idea at the time type deals. But man, this journey has been phenomenal. And I got to meet all you cool people. So that helps too. So, but people, and I, I want to tell you this, people that lose their way, lose their why. Like why you were created, why you're here. And the people that lose their way, it's called, I call it the grind. You guys have heard me talk about the grind. You wake up, you go to work, you come home, you go to sleep, you wake up, you go to work, you kick the dog, you go to sleep. Like, what, you know, like the whole thing. It's just the grind of life. And so you get on this grind, but and when you get on the grind, you lose your way. But you lose your way because you lose your why. And I'll even go as far as, I didn't say this in any of the other church services, but some of you are losing your why because you're becoming frustrated with the, what seems like the ineffectiveness of your witness. Like, man, I've talked to everyone I know about Jesus and nothing's changing. None of them are coming to church. None of them are getting saved. Guess what? Talk some more. Don't lose your why. Because if you lose your why, you lose your way. Number two, it stands on a cause. It stands on a cause. Acts 20, 24 says, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus Christ. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Just what we were saying a second ago, man, like don't lose passion about your witness because it seems like it's ineffective. Talking about Jesus is never ineffective. Never just because you're not seeing fruit today doesn't mean that there's not a season coming where you'll see it. So the whole thing is that I in be- this I honestly believe this. I believe we don't need as many preachers as, me- as many as we need or as much as we need Christian doctors and Christian lawyers and Christian waiters and waitresses and Christian <laughs> lawyers. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, like we need we need, <laughs> like we need all of the, you know what I'm saying? What I, I don't think we need so many people standing in a pulpit preaching the gospel. I think we need more people just living life, living the gospel. You know what I'm saying? So you're at your work, you know, we need preachers healing people and we need doctors preaching to people is what we need. We need, I don't mean preaching like get saved. I'm going to beat you with this Bible. That's not what I'm talking about. Like, not street corner style, but just like, hey man, let me tell you about the amazing thing that I found in my life and what has been revealed to me. And it's a life in Christ and passionately pursuing Christ and living Christ and telling people about Christ and every field that we work in. I just think that it's huge and that's what it's going to take. So pastors and preachers aren't the ones called. So, and I want to give you this, God, because some of us are waiting for this right here and you've probably had this conversation with God, God, I'll do this when I get that. Can I tell you something? God won't give you better until you give him best. Yeah. Stamp that on your kid's forehead. You know what I'm saying? Because like, some of us are like, when I get a better this or I get a better that, or when I get this or when I get that, then, then I'll do this or I'll do that. And God's saying, no, 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 you do better. Or you do best, and I'll give you better. You know what I'm saying? Or you, you do better, and I'll give you, like, what, however you want to, you do as much as you possibly can with whatever you have, and then I'll give you something else. But some of us are just like, well, God, you know, we're just waiting on you. No, 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 God's waiting on you. Anyways, we're going to get off of that, because I can tell some of y'all, toes cramping up in your shoes, so. The second part is that you want to do something that makes a difference. Doing something that makes a difference. So the whole thing is that I want to make a difference. But I don't just want to make a difference. I want to make a difference doing something that makes a difference. You with me? So just because you're making a difference, I want to make a difference doing something that makes a difference. It takes us to our, our third part. And it spreads from me to we. It spreads from me to we. Because now it's no longer about me. It's about us. So you cannot give God your very best until you're doing it on a team that's making a difference. And what I mean by, well, here, I'll read this to you. Ecclesiastes 4 9 says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. In other words, it's a multiplication process. You can only do so much. But when you and another person with the same vision, same dream, same goal about Christ in mind, join together, now you're doing what you can do and they're doing what they can do and your efforts are multiplied. God is being glorified in a whole nother way because you're establishing a life fulfilled together on this team. So it spreads from just me to we. So the whole thing is that I want to make a difference doing something that makes a difference with people who want to make a difference. And uh, the Maslow's uh, hierarchy of needs, it talks about there's a number of different needs that we have in our life. Like we have physical needs where we need to like eat and breathe and drink like all those things, right? And So some of us eat more than the rest you know. but whatever. Anyway, so causing us to breathe more than the rest. That's not the point. So the whole thing is this. But we have like physical needs. We have emotional needs. We have cognitive needs where like we ask questions, you know, like why is the sky blue? If you have a two or three year old, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Like, why is the sky blue? Why are there clouds? Why do you have hair? Why is this a building? Why is the carpet green? It's like, why are you asking so many questions? Why aren't you going to sleep? So like we have all these questions. And so the whole thing is this, like we we get it so we have all these needs, but they have found this. Sci- scientists and socialists have found this, that the highest possible uh, point in your life that you could ever possibly reach is when you are fulfilling, when you're living a life fulfilled in this context. You're making a difference in people's lives and helping them make a difference in other people's lives. In other words, the best way to see your dream fulfilled is to help someone else fulfill theirs. The best way to see your vision, what you want in your life happen is to help someone else reach theirs in their life. Because that's relationship. I want more for you than you even want for yourself. Man, that's just awesome. John 15. Eight says that this is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. It jumps down to verse 11 uh, and it says, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. And so here's what I would have to tell you. And this this is the final thought. And so going back to the the cups, right? We're going back to the, the four promises that we looked at in the very beginning. So Jesus is coming and he sits down at the Passover dinner, and what happens is every time they read the the I wills, every time they talk about the I wills, for each I will, there's a different cup that they drink out of for the wine. So the first I will, they drink the first cup. The second I will, they drink the third cup. So the first one is salvation. The second one is deliverance. The third one is redemption. And the fourth one is what they would call praise or hallel praise or fulfillment. And our whole thing around here is by the time they hit the fourth cup of wine, I'm sure they are praising. You know what I'm saying? So but anyway, so... They go through four cups and when they get to the fourth cup, um, the whole thing is this, that they, they complete the process at that fourth cup. You with me? And so the whole thing is Jesus is now in Matthew, and we're gonna read it in a second. Matthew 26 is now sitting down with all of them at the table. He's getting ready to have their Passover and he knows that he's going to the cross the next day. So he's aware of what's happening. He's aware of where he is. He, he understands all of these things. So he comes and he sits down at the table and this is what he says. While they were eating, this is Matthew 26, 26, 26 through 29. It's on your notes. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks and broke it. And gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. Then he took the cup, gave thanks for it, offered to them, and saying, Drink from it all of you. I tell you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine, from now on until the day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. And so here's the last part that I want to give you. This is the final thought. Jesus doesn't completely fulfill his final promise to us until we're literally in heaven with him. And that means that Jesus is literally waiting on us so that he can fulfill a promise to us. And the beauty of all of this, man, is that, and, and like, if you hadn't figured out by now, I'm a jokester. Like I love, if, if we're all laughing in here, I feel like we did something pretty good. You know what I'm saying? Like, but it, it not, I, would, I don't want that to overshadow this one thought, this final thought, and that's this. There's a new life available to each and every one of us. And the Bible says that, well, I'll even read it to you. Revelation 19, 9 says, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And what that means is this, that in the Bible, Jesus is talked about as the bridegroom, the groom, and the church as a whole is talked about as the bride. And so one day there's gonna be a great ceremony, a great celebration in heaven where the bride is finally united with the groom. And, and there's gonna be a huge celebration. And that's a party you don't wanna miss. You know what I'm saying? Because apparently they're throwing, I'm just kidding. But anyway, but like, you don't wanna miss this party because number one, this is all of us in salvation uh, by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And so what's going to happen is we're going to have this amazing party in front of us and and when we get ready to live uh, out this eternity in heaven with Christ and we're sitting beside him, then in that moment, he's going to take that final cup, that final promise, that point of fulfillment, the very thing that we've all waited on while we were here on this earth, the day where we finally get meet Jesus face to face. We're gonna drink from that last cup together and spend eternity with him in heaven. And that's a day I don't want to miss for anything. More importantly, it's a day I can't wait to see. Close your eyes. We ready to pray. There's a, a a a place that you you kind of have to come to with all of this that got you just gotta be honest with yourself. Some of us don't know Jesus. We know about him. We know enough about him to know that we're not with him. We don't know Jesus. That or we know Jesus. We know about Jesus, but we think of him more like we would think of Abraham Lincoln, like a history person, someone in the past, but not in the present. Either way, if that's the case, you don't really know him and that's okay because you have a chance now. We want you to know him. So here's what I want to offer you. You say, man, I don't know Jesus. I know enough about him, I think. But I I want to know. I want a life in Christ because you can't really have this fulfilled life. You can't have this fulfilled life outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ. These promises are for those that live a life in Christ. That's what's available to you today. So you're sitting there, you say, man, I don't know Jesus. That or I thought I did, but maybe I don't but I want to know him today. Second Corinthians 517 says that old things will pass away and all things will become new. You'll become a new creation. You don't know Jesus, but you want to, even on live stream. If that's you, just raise your hand. I'm not gonna to come to you. I'm not gonna point you out. I'm not gonna ask you to do anything. I want to know Jesus today. God bless you. I want to know Jesus today. Here's what we're going to do. For those that raise your hand, or if you didn't, if you're watching on live stream, we would encourage you to pray with us too. Pray right where you're at, even if you're in that coffee shop, just freak everybody out. Just... But say this prayer with me. If you raise your hand or you did not, but you want to know Jesus, say, dear Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your life. Thank you for your death. I recognize that you died on the cross and you rose three days later. Forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of my wrongs. Make me clean. Make me pure. Make me brand new. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, put your hands together for all those that might have prayed for the very first time.